Welcome to another episode of the Home Run on Wheels podcast, where we chronicle the baseball trip of a lifetime while raising awareness of the needs of children in the foster system through our partnership with Children's Hope Alliance. This is Ron Clements alongside my wife, Patty. Hello. And we have a special guest with us in the RV in Northern California, Christine Sleddy, who is the director of the Del Norte County CASA office here in California. And welcome, Christine. Hi, thank you. Welcome. I mean, hello. <laughs> <laughs> and Christine, it's kind of funny how we got connected because uh, I needed Wi-Fi on Wednesday, and uh, because where we're staying in the Redwood National Park, this you have it's like a dead zone for cell service. Right. And uh, so I went up to Crescent City to Sea Quake Brewery and uh, was sitting at the bar, and a guy next to me is is uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name now, but he mentioned that he has a foster son. And I was just like, you have a foster son? Wow. Hey, let me tell you what we're doing. We're traveling to all 30 Major League Baseball stadiums and and we've been able to get kids to games in Miami and Detroit and Milwaukee, Minneapolis and Denver. And we're on our way from Seattle to San Francisco. And he was like, oh, that's cool. And so he actually came back with his family. The, the boy is eight. But Haley, the bartender though, heard our conversation and she's like, are you working with foster care? Because my friend works for CASA and they're here having lunch right now. And yeah. then Haley went over to your table. Right. So literally we're all sitting there eating chicken wings and we have um, sauce all over our fingers and our face. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the waitress comes over and says, there's a guy who is interested in talking to you about children in foster care. So of course, you know, I said, well, as soon as I get through eating my wings, I'll walk over there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, you know, I'm, I love talking about the program and what it is, um, you know, is needed with these kids. Uh, it's, you know, we, our nation has an epidemic right now with the foster care system. It's an overburdened system. And honestly, CASA is like the most amazing program. I've been with the CASA program for over 10 years now. And, uh, it's just, our volunteers do so much. Um, the goal of the CASA program, I don't know if you want me to just go into it a little. Keep going. Um, Because if you ask me, I will talk. Um, (laughs) so the goal of the non uh, the CASA program is that we're a nonprofit based program. We're a national CASA program. Um, we're under California CASA. We have a board of directors, and um, our mission is to recruit, recruit, and train and supervise volunteers in the community to advocate for children in foster care. So um, what they're really doing, this program was actually founded by a judge in Seattle, Washington, who knew that he was making decisions for the sake of foster kids and didn't feel like he had enough information. He was just basing it off of the social worker's report. And so he actually asked some friends if they would be willing to be trained and sworn in under um, the court, the jurisdiction of the court, and become officers of the court. And since then, I think that was like back in 1977, and the program has just grown nationally. And so now um, the Welfare and Institution Code in California asks for a CASA to be assigned to every single child's case under the jurisdiction of the court. And so really what the CASA is is the extra eyes and ears of the court, and they're officer of the court, but they're really, um, they don't work for the court. They actually work under the CASA program, so they have a non-biased opinion. 
And so um, they're collecting unbiased information, providing it to the court, but they're actually really advocating for the best interest of that child. We first heard about CASA from a friend of ours. And by the way, folks, CASA stands for Court Appointed Special Advocates. We're not talking about a Spanish house. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, we first heard about CASA from a friend of ours named Tim Snow. Tim ac- actually was one of the groomsmen at our wedding, and he kind of introduced me and Patty. To it. <laughs> Tim, Tim is the guy who first told us about CASA. And then Patty and I met a CASA volunteer in Cincinnati earlier this year. Right. And, uh, and then when we were in Seattle, we tried to speak with the CASA CEO up there, Tara, um, but she was on vacation. Uh, she used to work for the Atlanta Braves, <laughs> which would, cool. it, it would have been cool to work, uh, uh, to speak with her. But um, what was, how old were you when you went to your first baseball game? Do you even, do you remember? No, um, I was an adult. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not even going to divulge that information. I mean, I've been to um, minor league games, you know, and um, grew up going to live baseball games in our community. But the first time going to a baseball game was actually in um, at uh, Beyond the Bench Conference for a CASA um, training that I was attending in San Diego. And it was a Padres game. So it was beautiful. It was fun. And I loved it. I am a Giants fan because my guy is a Giants fan and that's what I have to say um, <laughs> so um, we're getting ready to go to a, game, a baseball game next month I'm really excited yeah we'll be at the Giants Stadium AT&T Park on Friday which is my birthday too when they're playing the Brewers which I'm pretty psyched about yeah very and then cool. we'll be in San Diego actually on Patty's birthday because her birthday was exactly two weeks after mine oh wow yeah so San very Francisco cool. for my birthday San Diego for nice. her birthday things could be worse right yeah right <laughs> But the the fun thing is, though, baseball does bring people together, and that's what I've said. I really, I remember my first baseball, major league baseball game because we took a field trip from my grade school, mm-hmm. but really didn't get into baseball really until I became an adult, moved to St. Louis, and it's such a big baseball town, and that's that's the thing. I mean, you talk about your guy, you know, it's yeah. it's a way to bond with each other. It is, and you know, baseball is like the American dream. It's a family thing, and that's the thing. If you're ta- looking at how, from a child, a foster child's perspective, they don't get to participate in things like this. And typically, even in their hometowns, extracurricular activities um, is something that oftentimes foster kids don't get to do. Um, and the foster parents, you know, it's a, it's a um, foster parents don't get paid very much money, and so oftentimes foster kids don't get to go to these family trips or don't do get to do these extra things and a lot of times the families i know the families we serve in Donart county 100 percent of the cases are poverty from um, poverty stricken homes and so mm-hmm. uh, they would never get the opportunity to go to a baseball game you know or anything a football game anything like that so that's why we've been pretty yeah we've been pretty gracious to the miami marlins and the detroit tigers milwaukee brewers and colorado rockies and 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 uh minneapolis or excuse me minnesota twins for donating tickets um you mentioned to me earlier uh when we met that you you had a program with uh disneyland down in in anaheim were you able to get some uh 
some kids down there with uh, tickets? So before coming on to CASA, I have over 20 years experience in business finance and bookkeeping. I own my own business. And when I joined the CASA program, I created what I call the Making Memories program. And so through that Making Memories program, I focused on trying to connect memories with kids. So what are the things that kids could do to, you know, make their memories happier so that they um, just have good life experiences? And one of the things was connect to our local businesses but the other thing was trying to find those opportunities for kids so one thing we did was reached out to Disneyland and every year we request Disneyland tickets so that we can provide them to children in foster care so they get the opportunity to go to Disneyland and and that's because of the reason you just stated a lot of times if a family is going on vacation they can't afford to take their foster kids so they take their bio kids right right and then uh, the foster kids would have to stay like, home like in with a, a respite, respite care. Yeah. Yeah. So yep. p- pretty much with strangers that they don't know while the foster family goes on vacation. Mm-hmm. That's got to be tough. It is, yeah. For the kids. So, and I could tell you that um, I'm also on the Child Abuse Prevention Council, and the youth, one of the youths that got to go to Disneyland is also on that council with us. He's a youth member, and he came back and reported, like, he was so excited to get to go to Disneyland and be included with that family vacation, how much it meant to him. Um, he really enjoyed the experience, and the foster home placement was thrilled to be able to get those tickets. Um, we also, through the Making Memories project, provided each of the families with a little bit of spending money as well to because not only you know is it a cost of the tickets but it's also the cost of the gas the food and the you know hotel rooms and everything else so how can people help out with things like those those programs etc and maybe even get kids to a baseball game yeah i mean you know there's so many ways to support the casa program our biggest number one need is that we need volunteers um, to get trained and be assigned to cases but the other need is that we don't get um even though we're part of the Welfare and Institution Code and it's, um, we're being asked to be serving on every child's case in foster care, there's no funding to support our programs. So we have to spend so much of our time fundraising and grant writing. And so even like, you know, if we were to get baseball tickets, those could be used as a fundraiser or as a promotion to bring in money, but they could also be used to send kids to a game. Um, so there's many different types of uses. There's so many different ways to support the CASA program nationally in the state in your local community yeah casa is a national organization uh as christine said it was founded in seattle that is where the headquarters is and we met we heard about it in st louis and met somebody in cincinnati this is a national organization and wherever you live you can get involved with casa yeah and it's a big need i found it interesting you mentioned that you have children who are on the council can you tell us a little more about that and how how that experience is for them so that is a different council just to be clear i'm Mm -hmm. with the court appointed special advocates casa program and in our community we also have a child abuse prevention council okay and on that council we ask for youth members youth reps and so we invited this foster youth to who had been through you know abuse of his own he's actually living in foster care to be on this council and so this youth along with another youth is on the child abuse prevention council patty and i ran the refuse to abuse 5k in seattle uh last saturday and that is to prevent domestic violence Mm -hmm. how many kids do you see come through who are victims of abuse or have seen abuse in the home like 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 what would be a percentage 
I mean, there's a there's actually a lot of allegations. You know, what's really hard is that the foster care program. I mean, we we need to understand that parents have a constitutional right to raise their own children, mm-hmm. and so when a report goes out, it has to be substantiated at the time. So a lot of times, the families have had multiple issues. That's why I'm on the Child Abuse Prevention Council as well as with CASA because we're trying to prevent child abuse, and so it's really hard to say because those child welfare site on the Berkeley site collects all that data. Um, so it's different per county. But um, I know that Delnor County has been like one of the second highest in the state of California. We, we have improved. We've dropped down to one of the eight highest in the state of California um, per capita. But in, you know, in our community, we have high poverty rates. So most of the abuse is due to um, mental health issues, substance abuse issues, and neglect. About 80% of the cases that we serve are due to neglect. Hmm. And then um, we, so it's like failure to protect domestic violence. Um, They're, you know, might be using substance abuse, using drugs, um, mental health issues. And so those are the needs that need to be addressed in order for them to reunify. Um, but it's just really hard to get the services often that they need in Donar County as well. We have an overburdened system, and so for working these cases, it's difficult. But there are more cases that, you know, sometimes those cases will come under the jurisdiction of the court, and then we'll find there's more severe cases of physical abuse or molestation or other issues that come up. Um, but uh, luckily, most of the cases are due to uh, neglect. What exactly does CASA do? It's court-appointed special advocates, so you're like the the child's voice right. in front of a judge, right? So what you know? What ex- you know, walk us through the process of, of of what exactly goes on? So you're going to have your CASA program, who has trained staff, who has um, lots of training on child child welfare laws and you know the boundaries of what a CASA should and shouldn't do, and so it's the staff trains the um, individuals in the community. This the person who's coming up and volunteering, they get sworn in as an officer of the court, and once they get sworn in, they're appointed to a case, and once they get appointed to that case, they have full access to the whole case file. So they just start reviewing the case file, they start collecting information on the family so that they could work on family connections and permanency, um, making family trees. We review medical records to ensure that the child's medical needs are being met, um, ensure that the child's mental health needs are being met. We do educational advocacy, so we work with the school district, interview the teachers, talk with, you know, sometimes we facilitate team meetings. We check on the child's placement. Um, sometimes we look at gaps in services or for the parents and the family. Um, we sometimes look to see if there's any services that could benefit the foster home placement to help secure that placement. I mean, anything that has to do with that child's life at the, the current circumstances of the child is what the CASA is looking for and advocating for. So it's a lot of work. Um, they they it's not it's a lot of work, but it's not because usually it, typically an advocate is is just you know spending maybe two hours a week or biweekly on their case. Um, But that little bit of information and dedication that they're doing is a lot. So the biggest thing that they do, though, is they're spending time with that child and getting to know the child. In Delnart County, our advocates take the child out of their placement, get to know them, make sure that, you know, everything is going good so they can listen to them and see how things are going for them, what they want to do, how they feel about what's happening with their current circumstances. We give them a voice in court, help them have their own voice in court. And then um, the end result is that that advocate writes a very thorough report and submits it to the court at the 
court hearing. So the judge has more information and for the sake of the child to make better decisions for the, the child and the family. And the ultimate goal is to put this this child in his or her forever home, whether that's right. back with their birth family or, or with a, a new family. Right. Permanency. And, you know, it's the mission of the CASA program for a safe and secure home, permanent home as soon as possible. So sometimes we're advocating for court cases to not be continued um, because sometimes they can be continued just because someone didn't read a court report or someone didn't get notified, you know, so um, we want those court hearings to move quickly. We want permanency for the children as soon as possible, and we want to ensure that they're not falling through the cracks during this time. Yeah, we've met a couple of foster parents along the way. Um, Some stand out, and we met foster parents in Durham and in Denver, Durham, North Carolina, and Denver, Colorado, who they're They've been waiting a year. They've been going through the process more than a year trying to, to make the adoption official. Um, and Cindy Noah with Lutheran Family Services Rocky Mountains told us that it, it's a the foster program is a very complicated system. It is. Mm-hmm. And it's, and, you know, it's a there's two parts to that because we want the whole goal is to <clears throat> reunify the children with their families. So mm-hmm. foster care is really intended to be a temporary placement. And so there should be efforts right up front to start working on connecting those children with their family and extended family or close friends to them. And then if that isn't possible, and sometimes that's not possible because it's an overburdened system and it, the efforts are just not getting done. And CASA helps with that process as well. So if we could get children out of foster home and back to their families or extended families that's going to save taxpayers lots of money it saves the whole process Um, but it actually also helps with the long-term stability of the child because oftentimes we see kids re-entering foster care because of failed adoptions Um, sometimes we have foster parents who want to adopt kids when they're young and little and then as they grow up um, you know they sometimes um, might need more uh, support and you know there so there's more there's like uh, I think well I don't want to rattle off statistics but it, there's a pretty big rate of, of re-entries into foster care and then there's some amazing um, foster home placements and you know very uh, good success stories with foster home placements when children have been in foster care long term and they bond with their foster parents and they adopt them you know it's a it's a beautiful story so the Casa Del Norte County website is casadn.org. I believe the national site is just casa.org, right? I think it's casa for children.org. Org, yes. Okay. So, uh, is there a spot on casaforchildren.org where if somebody's listening to this in Maine or in Georgia that where, where they could get in, where they could find a local casa office? Yes. Yes. So they can do that through the National CASA program or through their state program. Um, I mean, typically, like I know for California CASA, they can go in through just look up California CASA. Um, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure they could do that in Texas, too. But National CASA usually has a director, a direction of different state programs. Awesome. And people to connect with, you know, if, if you don't find that information, they should have a connect or contact us. And then you could just ask them by email. Is there any kind of background that you look for in the volunteers? Some background or experience that they might have that helps them with this type of work? Actually, no. Okay. So (laughs) our volunteers could be anyone from any walks of life who just wants to care and help 
children in foster care, just like a foster placement, like anyone who is willing to do it. Um, we do have a background screening process and we're, you know, working with children in foster care. So we want to ensure that whoever is volunteering um, clears the background screening. They have to be over the age of 21. But we have children, we have volunteers who have been um, stay-at-home moms. We have some who are retired teachers. We have some who work full-time. We have some that are sales clerks. Um, I mean, from all walks of life um so they get the full training that they need from the casa staff and support while they're doing the work so it's really just about clearing the background check and being over the age of 21 great awesome christine slidey thank you so much uh i'm i'm glad we connected it was kind of serendipitous that yes that i needed wi-fi and i went to a brewery yeah, and we just decided to have our staff meeting today and eat chicken wings. <laughs> and Seaquake is one of the best restaurants in Delnart County. I have to say that they're a big supporter of the CASA program. Um, you know, the staff there, they're great. They they help us out on our events. And so, um, you know, we, we re- really rely on those local um, businesses as well. So it was great. And thanks for having me on. Great to meet you. Yes, likewise. And And thanks for what you're doing. It's a very important thing, and I'm just so pleased anytime anyone's willing to step up and really look at how we can support children in foster care because there are children in our communities and there are responsibility. It takes a village, right? It does, yes. Christine Slady, Casa Del Norte Director, thank you so much for coming on the Home Run on Wheels podcast. And uh, when we speak with you next, we will be, where the heck will we be, Patty? We'll still be in in the Bay Area on uh, on Monday because Monday night we're going to see the Blue Jays and A's play at the Oakland Coliseum. But tomorrow night, my birthday, we're going to be at AT AT&T Park in San Francisco. That's right. It's your birthday. And the Brewers are playing. So Um, Go Giants. So anyway, folks, have a great weekend. And thanks again for listening to the Home Run on Wheels podcast. Getting born in the state of Mississippi Papa was a copper and a mama was a hippie In Alabama she was swinging a hammer Price you gotta pay when you break the panorama She never knew that